When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. I am your host, Jeremy Betts, and I'm joined once again, and as always, by Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? What have you been up to recently? I have one week, one year done with college, and I'm just trying to get resituated back at home now. I'm excited to talk some 2023 draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one week of college is that what it felt like just this first year went by so fast or it uh, did go by really fast a lot okay. faster than what i thought it would it was very busy i had some fun and uh learned a lot so i'm excited it's just exhausting now bringing sure. everything in the life back to back to home which is not a bad thing but just getting resituated uh things definitely a little bit busy over the past week yeah absolutely when i went to college uh several years ago i always felt like i was leading two lives, my college self, and then my home self, just because it's totally two different lifestyles. Uh, you know, the college life and, and all that goes on there. Um, and then going back home to family and friends and, and all that, you, you just, you're just a different person, uh, to those people than you are at college. So very interesting experience. Glad your first year went well. We are going to talk some 2023 draft, but first, uh, let's talk about the 2022 class and uh, what they've been up to recently. Several of them have signed their contracts. I think we have uh, only three of the seven that have not signed yet, and that would be uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, DeMarvin Leal, and then um, fourth-round pick uh, Calvin Austin the third, the second wide receiver off the board for Pittsburgh. Uh, those guys have yet to sign, but uh, nothing to worry about. I'm, I'm sure the, these – these contracts are basically all set in stone for the rookies anyway. So it'll get done eventually, but they have been participating in rookie minicamp um, up through last night, which would have been Sunday as we're recording this Monday night. Um, they were putting in some work and getting familiar with the offense and defensive systems at Pittsburgh. So Andrew, did you see anything from minicamp that stood out to you uh, over the last couple of days? I did. I was really excited to see Calvin Austin in a Steelers uniform. We knew that he was explosive. We knew his jumps were explosive. He was explosive off the line of scrimmage. Uh, but it was noticeable in the clips that the Steelers put out on Twitter, and I shared one of them on the uh, BTSC Twitter account. And it was Calvin Austin on kind of an errant throw. He went up and got it. was an impressive mm-hmm. leap. Uh, if he can remain durable at the size that he's at, he has a chance to become a really explosive player in this league. Absolutely. His catch radius is really quite incredible for a a man of his stature. So uh, that was an interesting uh, play to watch. I thought the ball just snaps out of Kenny Pickett's hands. He may not have the biggest arm, but it's a live arm, uh, especially on the short and intermediate range passes. 
he got he's got a little zip on it. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how um, he um, acclimates to um, the Steelers' offense and uh, his chemistry with the the two wide receivers, uh, George Pickens and Calvin Austin. He'll have a jump uh, in chemistry there uh, as opposed to with the rest of the team getting to work with them a little bit more. Excited to see how that comes up. Steelers fans that are listening, you can always check out more information about minicamp and all things Pittsburgh Steelers at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. All right, Andrew, we've got some unfinished business from the 2022 NFL Draft before we get into 2023. You and I made some locks the week and before the draft, uh, the show before the draft. That would have been uh, episode 11 of the Steelers Draft Fix. And uh, we, we locked up a few things that we thought would happen. Uh, let's break those down real quick and see how we did. Uh, Andrew, what were your locks and, and what were the results? Well, I said that the Steelers would draft a quarterback. Because the Steelers drafted two, I'm not sure if you want Ooh. to count that or not. I did say a quarterback pertaining to a single one. Uh, I knew that it was possible we would take two, but I didn't. Yeah. I said that we would draft a quarterback, so grade that however you wish. I think and, we'll give you a good credit on that one. Partial credit, yes, but uh, you, you get some credit for it. So. Yeah, there's one of yours that I think I'm going to have to give partial credit on, yeah, too, yeah. so it will even <laughs> out. Absolutely. Then I had the Steelers drafting wide receiver on day two, which, of course, they did in George Pickens, and then the Steelers not drafting an inside linebacker before day three, and, of course, that happened when the Steelers drafted Mark Robinson in round seven. Absolutely. Hey, I think I should get some bonus points for like just being very direct and precise, you know, with my with my locks. I I predicted that the Steelers would pick a wide receiver in the second round, not just on day two. Okay. So so maybe I get an extra half point for that. What do you think? Okay, I I respect the guts. I respect the detailed outcomes that you had predicted. So I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a 75, whereas I get a 50. Hey, there you go. So uh, the the quarterback one that I made was that they would draft one in the first round, but that it would be Desmond Ritter based on how I thought the board would fall, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis being gone already. Obviously, that is not what happened. So, yes, partial credit there as well, maybe if you're feeling generous. But then my third one was that the Steelers would not make any trades in the draft, hit that one right on the head. So, hey, a solid 2.5 points for each of us there. I think we can we can kind of agree on that. So uh, that was fun. We'll have to do more locks in the future um, just to kind of put ourselves out there and see what, we, see what we're confident about. All right, let's move on to 2023. We're not going to spend a lot of time on diving into a bunch of different prospects, but, uh, Andrew, you, you've been looking ahead at this class um, even a little bit more than I have for sure. And uh, you've got some guys that really stand out to you as prospects. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, before we go to the break, um, I'd love to hear your top 10 prospects for 2023. Shoot. Well, number 10, I have Joey Porter Jr., the corner from Penn State, who I actually mocked the Steelers in my way too early mock draft. Yes. The splash plays haven't come yet, but he's a long physical corner with superb athleticism. I like his feistiness at the line. I like how he gets his hands on receivers right off the line. When in press, he can cover a lot of ground in the secondary. He plays Mm -hmm. with a lot of emotion. I just like the way he plays and the style he plays. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in 2022 and do not be surprised 
if the Steelers take a long look at him, not only because of the familiarity inside right. the family, but he's also, he also has local ties being at Penn State. Um, plus, he's going to fit a potential team need, which we'll get into later on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you know he's going to be an aggressive style player with uh, his dad being the Joey Porter of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Andrew, I think he was a little bit before your time as a Steeler fan, right? Um, maybe at the very tail end you were you were catching on to his career. But uh, Joey Porter was one of my favorites uh, as a kid, just a, just a dyn- dynamite player coming off the edge. And he wasn't ever uh, challenging for sack leader or anything like that um, uh, all time in Pittsburgh. But he was a fantastic pass rusher and really set the tone for the defense. Loved Joey Porter, and I'm excited to see what his son can do in 2022 leading up to the draft. Who's your number nine prospect? Number nine is Jordan Addison, wide receiver, formerly of Pitt. And of course, if any of you have been paying attention to him, uh, got some issues in the transfer portal. Uh, yes. We'll see how that all plays out. I'm here in Alabama and USC are probably the two most likely landing spots. I would love to see what he could do with Bryce Young at quarterback. Just see what he did with Kenny Pickett. Give him yep. Bryce Young and see what he can do. Last year, 5'11", 180, 100 catches, Fifth, over 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns. The guy's a good route runner, quick in and out of his cuts, has good secure hands. Would not surprise me at all if he's a top 10 pick. Come, Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think his his decision to jump into the transfer portal really uh, screams uh, draft stock, right? Um, especially with some of the targeted teams that he's trying to go to. So we'll see how that turns out. Who you got next? Kayshawn Boutte, I'm going to keep it at wide receiver, wide receiver from LSU. He only played six games this past year, but in those six games, he did have 509 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, And he's only at six foot. So he's not, you know, the biggest red zone monster that you would think of for a guy who is averaging one and a half touchdowns per game. Uh, But he knows how to get open and he knows how to create separation in the red zone, which is a very key trait. And I think what the thing that you're going to get from the wide receivers early on in next year's draft it's going to be like this past year, we had all different types. You know, we had Drake London, the bigger body, Christian Watson, mm-hmm. the size speed combination guy. Then you have the little route runners. You had the speed demons, the Danny Grays, the Calvin Austins. You had it different types. Next year, you've got a lot of guys in this 5'11", 6 foot, 6 foot 1 range that are pretty solid mm-hmm. route runners. They're good at everything, but not yeah. elite in any one area, which is fine. I mean, Justin Jefferson is proving that you can be a number one receiver without having a true elite trait. I mean, he's a very good route runner. I would say it's near right. elite. Uh, but just being good in every facet of the game, these guys, you're going to see a lot of really good number two receivers that develop into number ones later in their career. Yeah, absolutely. I think we get we get ahead of ourselves a lot of times when we talk about these wide receivers um, making an impact in year one. It doesn't necessarily have to be that for them to be top-tier wideouts moving forward. Look at Devontae Adams, who wasn't – he's kind of fits that mold. It wasn't particularly incredible at any one given thing, but he's really developed into such a reliable uh, big target, and his route running is – really good uh he's got fantastic sure hands guys like that um find roles in this league and it may not be right away but they have the ability to really develop into superstars who you got at number seven in number seven i've got anthony richardson the quarterback from florida this guy's a talent but he there is some polarizing things about him he was caught speeding at over 100 miles an hour back in april i believe it 
happened in Florida near Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly. Uh, but either way, just some immaturity issues, things he's going to have to work through. It's not an end all. It's not like he was caught with possession of something. Uh, speeding, I mean, speeding something that happens probably just about every college student at some point. Um, <laughs> they're not going to mention any names of anybody. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, circle sorry. back to that, Andrew. We're going to circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but six foot four, 230 pounds. He's a true dual threat quarterback. He can do it all. He's got amazing arm talent. He's a good athlete. I love the guy on the field. If he could just become more consistent, you know, still very young, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of experience at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when Emery had some issues uh, during the season as the quarterback at Florida, they start bringing him in, playing Richardson a little bit more, but still very inexperienced. Uh, Richardson had his moments, but still a lot of bad decisions with the football. But if he mm-hmm. can clean up the decision making, he has a chance to potentially skyrocket right up there with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Yeah, his athleticism is off the charts. He's going to bring a lot of that to the table. Well, let's move on to your number six prospect. You're going to like this one. You're actually going to like the next two. This one is okay. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver yes, from Ohio State. Yes, sir. Six foot zero, 197 pounds. That game against Utah in the Rose Bowl was incredible. If you do not even know what I'm yeah. talking about, 15 receptions, 347 yards. And for those of you who didn't pay attention, Utah actually had a halfway decent defense and yeah. he tore them apart. Shredded and crowd, he was hot. He was on fire. But yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you as an Ohio state fan, what, what do you think of Njigba? I think he's light years better than either of the guys who went in the first round this year. Uh, yeah. Just the, the all round game is, incredible he by the end of the season to be honest he was their best receiver um even above the two guys who just got taken in the first round in 2022 so uh wow the the sky's the limit for him he could be a he could be a top five six seven pick by the end of this season uh if all goes according to his plan and uh hopefully that ohio state defense can figure something out because uh stroud and and smith Smith and Jigba are going to be a force to be reckoned with on offense and the defense plays better. We might have uh, a better shot at uh, taking down Michigan. Uh, and you have several defense. other receivers that are coming up as well. Uh, watch the language, by the way, um, <laughs> it starts with an M. Um, but well, I mean that, that segues into number five, cause CJ Stroud, of course, I mean, there, there are some inconsistencies, and I'm sure you saw them. I mean, especially earlier in the year, he improved yeah. as the year went on, and that's something you obviously want to see. The reason I don't have him above – I mean, I've seen some rankings that have him above Bryce Young. I'm not there yet. Sure. Um, I don't think it's bias um, against <laughs> Stroud. I, I really don't. I just – I just watching them both last year, I know Bryce Young had a lot of talent around him, probably a little bit more than what Stroud did. They both had a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, Bryce Young had a plethora of weapons, and – well, he Stroud had three incredible receivers. Right. Uh, there were times where the offensive line wasn't quite as strong as what Alabama's was. Um, towards the end of the year, Alabama's had some issues. And Emile Kior, uh, who's a guard who some people are projecting to go in the top 10, which I think is outrageous right now. He had some right. inconsistencies. That's why he's yeah. not in my top 10. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, with Stroud, decision-making is key but i i also feel like maybe part of it was just because of the fact that he was thrown into it so quickly and the expectations rose considering that your 
whatever six star quarterback or whatever that you yeah. had that uh, came in Quinn Ewers or whatever ends up, you know, playing instead of Ewers and yeah, that, that entire situation that I'm not even, I don't even fully understand what happened. Right. Yeah. Um, you probably are a little bit more informed about that than I am. Oh, uh, it's, it's a mess. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to dive into it because I'm not really sure what all is going on there either. But I mean, Stroud just, he, I mean, he just played himself um, into keeping the starting job. And early on in the year, I agree with you. It, it's really interesting to, to look at his, his stats because he had like a 73 or 74% completion percentage by the end of the year. But his misses were just so bad. I mean, you're talking 10 feet over the heads of wide open re- receivers. And um, so, you know, he, he was so scattershot at times. It was, it was incredible to watch him just dial in and throw balls just on a rope. And then the two plays later, it, it's like a, he just skyrockets it into the, into the stands. So uh, he's going to have to clean some of that up to, to vault um, into number one overall pick consideration. I, I like that you mentioned the bad misses because there's another quarterback a few years back that had that same issue. I'm sure you remember Deshaun Kaiser, yes. uh, quarterback from Notre Dame. Had a lot of talent. A lot of people were really high on him. That year, I had Mahomes 1, Trubisky 2, Deshaun Watson 3. And I believe after that, I had Kaiser 4. But it was it was a big drop-off. I did not have a first-round yeah. grade on him. Was not super impressed with him. It, I mean, you could see the traits. But so inconsistent. And when he missed, it's just like you're banging your head into a wall. Like, what were you yeah. thinking there? It's, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to compare CJ Stroud to Deshaun Kaiser, but uh, that's definitely not a comparison you want to have if we're still comparing him to that at this time next year. Absolutely. All right, let's move on into your uh, top five here. Um, well, Stroud was five. Uh, number, Stroud was five. Yeah, right. yeah okay. Stroud was five. That was my bad because I kind of merged him and Smith and Jigba. <laughs> Um, That's then okay. at number, at number four, I had Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. I'm a little yeah. higher on him than a lot of people. Uh, the production wasn't totally there. He had eight tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, modest numbers. But again, there's, I mean, it, it's, there's only so much pie that you right. can share on that Georgia defense. <laughs> there's, yeah. only, I mean, and we're going to talk about another Georgia prospect in um, just a second that, you know, you're going to wonder why are his stats so low? Well, I mean, there was so much depth on that yeah. team. It was sick. So, I mean, he's got a fantastic bend. I'd like to see him add a little bit more functional strength, especially in his core, be able to uh, set the edge a little bit better. Uh, But I do like what I see, the explosiveness on tape, quickness off the line. He's going to be a good stand-up 3-4 linebacker. He is. He he fits a Steelers um, mold as well at that position. So, not saying he'd be there because he's obviously a a top-tier prospect uh, when the Steelers might have a chance to pick. But he's he's the type of player that they put on their radar for that – a three, four uh, outside linebacker uh, slot. So uh, moving on to number your number three prospect. Number three, I have another Georgia defender and that's Jalen Carter. I believe um, defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, He only had three sacks this past year. And, but don't let that fool you. Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt were there as well. Um, That will hopefully explain some of the reason why his stats were so low, only 17 tackles, I believe. So talented, though, and you can see the explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, the way he just bullies interior alignment, his hand usage, his power, converting power to speed, speed to power. Either way, however he wants to start off, he can switch it up in the middle of a rep and win. 
there's so many ways that he can get to the quarterback. It's just putting it all together when he's playing a full-time role. And right. I'm, I'm not quite as high on him as other people are just because I'm, I still want to wait and see what he does as a full-time starter, but there's a lot of talent here. There, he's going to be a really good three technique. Not sure if he fits uh, the Steelers mold, although he's kind of the, in that same size frame as, you know, Tyson yeah. Alu-Alu. Um, he's, you know, maybe that's the new Steelers nose tackle undersized guy that they're going to sure. go with. But I, I think ideally you want him in a four, three team. I think I mocked him to the Jaguars in my way too early mock. Okay. Yeah. I love Carter. Um, as a guy who uh, follows Georgia uh, pretty heavily too, uh, my mom is a huge Bulldogs fan. So uh, I, I follow them pretty, pretty heavily. And uh, that front seven is going to be ridiculous again. It won't be quite on the level that it was this last year, but they've got some studs up there led by, by Carter. He's going to be a, a fantastic prospect um, coming out. All right, your top two guys, let's talk about them. Bryce Young at number two. I did not have the guts to put him at number one. I had okay. a different Alabama player. Yeah. Uh, but with Bryce Young, yeah, I, I can't really think of an exact comparison for him. I think the closest thing is Kyler Murray. Um, but he's got, obviously, incredible mobility outside the pocket. He's a little bit smarter at times as a runner than Kyler is. Um, and I believe he has the potential to be a little bit better as a passer overall as well. He sure. just uh, – it it's – the frustrating thing, and that's the that's the reason why I think we've had so many busts at quarterback at Alabama and Ohio State, because the offensive lines and wide receivers are so consistently good. You right. don't know who's making who better. And I, with Bryce Young, you know, let's see, it was just a one-year fluke. Can he back that up or be even better this year? If he is, he's going to be the number one pick. Uh, it, it, there's no denying the talent. Uh, right. You don't find a six-foot-one, 200-plus pound quarterback who can run like the wind and throw the ball 50, 60 yards down the field with ease. Uh, so there, he's going to have all eyes on him this year. If he's a Heisman finalist or if he wins the Heisman this year, uh, I don't think there's any debate about who's going number one overall. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's your number one overall prospect? I've got to go with Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. He popped up every single game, every single time that I watched Alabama. And when you're watching draft prospects, you try to find games that – there's there's actually good competition. In the SEC, yeah. there's obviously a lot of games that I'm watching live during the year, so I see a lot of Alabama every year. And Will Anderson, it seemed like every rep he was in the backfield. 17 and a half sacks this past year. This is college. Wow. 31 tackles for loss. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't make this up. It's six foot four, <laughs> 240 pounds. He plays stronger than 240. Like we were talking about Nolan Smith a minute ago. They're yeah. similar. Their frames are similar. But the difference is that Will Anderson, he has a lot more power in his punch than what Nolan Smith does. Nolan Smith, he's what you would expect in 235 pound linebacker needs to add more weight. Anderson, if he gets drafted at 240 pounds, he is so strong in that frame. I think he could hold up at 240 pounds. I mean, I'm not saying don't add any. I think sure. he could still improve a little bit against the run, but he's already playing at an incredibly high level. If he can just, I think the only thing that keeps him from being a top three pick is injury. If he stays sure. healthy and is half the player what he was last year, I'll take this guy in the top three any day of the week. Do you think he kind of rounds out a, a pass rush group that's a little bit better than the top guys in, in this uh, in the 2022 draft? I think he does. If he was in this year's draft, he would have been my number one overall prospect for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Trayvon Walker going number one 
uh, it's the same type of athlete there, um, you know, to a point that the long rangy speed guys, but, uh, but Anderson just takes it to another level with his play strength and his, his tenacity at the point of attack. So very interesting. I love the, this group of guys. It's going to be interesting to see if any of them are going to fall to within range of a Steelers pick come 2023. After this short break, we're going to talk team needs going into 2023. Um, based on what we saw the Steelers address here and some of the players that they have on the roster that are aging or maybe moving on or um, you know just starting to look ahead a little bit here. After the break, we're going to talk 2023 team needs. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers draft fix. I'm Jeremy Betts. That's Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, we are talking Steelers team needs. We just looked at your top 10 prospects. And uh, I think you and I might have uh, the same position as our number one overall need. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me yours and then I will, I will jump in with mine. I think we do. And we've talked about it some before corner yes. is an area that, I know Steelers fans get are hesitant about because the Steelers have missed so many times at the corner position in the draft. But at some point I realize that fans say, you know, well, we'll just sign a free agent. There's only so much money you can consistently dedicate right. to a single position. At some point you've got to be able to develop your own talent at the position. The Steelers have the personnel to do it with Brian Flores and Terrell Austin, who are both gurus. Now, I mean, Flores is specialty as the linebackers, but he knows a thing right. or two about the secondary. Oh, yeah. Tomlin, I mean, he, he has a history with DBs, but we've also seen him try to develop some here in Pittsburgh and it hasn't worked out. But Terrell Austin, <laughs> we've seen his success they had with Darius Slay in Detroit. We've seen the success that he had, even to an extent with William Jackson in the short time he was with Cincinnati, that yeah. maybe the defense wasn't what we would have liked to have seen, but he was very good. Um, and we saw improvement in William Jackson's game. So we, if the Steelers are going to get a guy to fit the system of Flores Austin, if depend on how much of the system Tomlin delegates and allows them to run corner is a position that needs to be addressed early. And I, th I mean, we looked at the top prospects. Mm -hmm. I only had one corner in my top 10, but if we would have expanded it to 20, we probably would have had at least two or three other names. Yeah. It's going to be something that they're going to have to address. Um, they don't have the young uh, true number one lockdown corner in the building, and uh, it's not easy to come by. Eventually, you're going to have to take a swing at it. Um, I don't know why Artie Burns was that swing in 2016. Uh, it shouldn't have been, but uh, the Steelers are going to have to try again, and I think that that's the, probably the direction they go in round one. There may be uh, some other options, but uh, cornerback to me is just it's a, it's a heavy need going into 2023, and we'll see how this season plays out. Um, some of the guys – on the roster, Akella Witherspoon and Levi Wallace, uh, see how they um, grow and fit into this system that Terrell Austin uh, is going to put in and uh, uh, Brian Flores as well. It's going to be interesting to see. 
Um, for my for my second position, um, my number two uh, team need it's offensive tackle. I think you saw the Steelers do the Steelers way of addressing it, if you will, uh, bringing back players that they were familiar with, uh, specifically talking about uh, Chooks Okorafor, a guy that neither you or I really liked <laughs> to return, but he's back. And uh, But I just think at some point the Steelers are going to have to address this with um, a top-tier talent. And, uh, you know, it, I'm thinking it's probably going to be 2023. Uh, what's your number two uh, team need for 2023? We agree again. And oh, good. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I get that the Steelers have their ways, and they've had ways that have worked. Right. And this, I mean, you go through Webster, Dawson, Pouncey, all these great interior linemen, Fanica, DeCastro, Foster, all these great guards. I realize that the Steelers have had success building from the inside of the offensive line, but if you look around the league, the majority—not every team, but the majority. Right of the teams that are contending late in January have one or even two really good bookend tackles, specifically on the left side, Kansas city for a long time had Eric yep. Fisher may not have been elite, but was really close in his prime. Of course, now he has had some injury concerns. Um, and you look at the team like Tampa Bay, Tristan Wirfs on the right side, Donovan Smith on the left side. Yes. You, mm -hmm. I mean, we can go down the list. I mean, the Rams had Andrew Whitworth, who was still playing with a, at a really high level. And then when he goes down, they have Joseph Nopum, who's arguably playing just as good yeah. or better than what <laughs> Whitworth was playing. Right. So the, these teams consistently have depth. I don't know whether it's the Steelers' inability to – I don't think it's an, ability, it's an inability to develop because we've seen the Steelers have success with later round guys at the position and get them into – turn them into starter-quality players. But right. this is – in my opinion, left tackle is the second most important position in football. You can argue edge rusher, and I understand that. But protecting the quarterback's blind side, and if you can find someone who can also create a push in the running game, that allows you not to, to be predictable in the run game and running always to the same side. If you can find an elite left tackle who can do a lot of different things, that opens up your playbook more than what fans really want to realize. Yeah, and you saw that even with an athletic quarterback in the backfield, um, you know, able to extend plays and, and whatnot, that you still got to have good offensive line play. You saw that in the Super Bowl uh, two years ago when the Buccaneers faced off against the Chiefs and Mahomes was running for his life on every single play because yep. they, they just lost too many guys there. You can't settle for mediocrity for too long uh, at the tackles or, or you're going you're gonna to meet a team that is going to make you pay. And I would say the Steelers' defense is built to make a team pay for not having good offensive tackles. They know exactly what they want to do in that type of situation. So, you know, to me, the the ignoring of that position is kind of a head-scratcher a little bit, especially uh, when you're talking about um, free agency or spending early draft picks on offensive tackle. I'm thinking you're going to see a little bit of a change in direction um, with the um, – bringing on of a new general manager potentially. So maybe we see some of these things change. How crazy would it be if the Steelers first two picks in uh, 2023 were some combination of cornerback and offensive tackle? We haven't seen that in, in years. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Number three uh, for you, uh, Andrew, what's your number three position of need? I went with nose tackle. DeMarvin okay. Leal 
solves the issue of whether or not Stefan Tuitt comes back one way or the other. The Steelers, I think, have that pretty much solved it sure. before defensive end. But you still need a nose tackle. The Steelers uh, did not have an opportunity at Jordan Davis. Uh, they passed on Travis Jones in the second round. Uh, so I haven't looked super deep into the nose tackles in this upcoming draft. But I'm excited to see if there is a small school prospect like this year's Travis Jones, uh, mm-hmm. seeing if there's somebody that emerges is that guy who can be a three down presence on the interior of that line, but also provide the size people. Mm-hmm. I know the Casey Hampton is not the modern thing, but right. Casey Hampton made that defense tick when yeah. it was at its best. He did so much, not just in defending the run, but I mean, he was underrated as a pocket pusher as well. And it's someone, I mean, even if he is just a Casey, even a lesser Casey Hamden, a guy who can just be in there to stop the run, it allows the rest of your defense to feast on the quarterback. And with, when you have the pass rushers the Steelers have, you don't necessarily have to have an elite pass rusher, right. just someone who can push the pocket. That's why I thought it was a surprise the Steelers didn't go after like a Glenn Logan and undrafted free agency, a guy who had four and a half sacks this past year at LSU at six foot four, 330 pounds. He would have been good depth guy you can mm-hmm. bring in and hopefully develop. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting to see if the Steelers still prioritize a traditional nose tackle because they've worked out well when the Steelers have tried to use them. Yeah, and just um, having a guy who takes up opposing bodies, you know, uh, when – Two gap. Yeah, and absolutely. You needed you needed two and sometimes even three guys on Casey Hampton and Aaron Smith and uh, Brett Kiesel. You know, they, they fed on that all day long as three, four defensive ends and, you know, made room also for uh, – Joey Porter, James Harrison, guys like that to get in the backfield and be disruptors. Uh, so yeah, it's a big it's a big part of of what the Steelers like to do on defense. At number three, I have linebacker. Um, I think I think right now, looking at it, this could change for me. Obviously, if Devin Bush rebounds like I think he can, and uh, and Miles Jack kind of has. Um, a new kickstart to his career, if you will. And not that he's been bad, but um, those two guys flying around in, in the middle of the defense would be really nice to see. But I think the Steelers do need to address that buck linebacker position that we have talked about ad nauseum. So I like linebacker um, as my number three uh, need. And then I have defensive line um, specifically a three tacker nose tackle type player um, as my, uh, four. So right up there uh, with you there. Um, so I just really think that the Steelers, when the Steelers defense is at its best, it's got rangy middle linebackers and uh, people movers in the interior of the defensive line. And uh, that's just go ahead. I have a question for you. Cause I know you'd mentioned a minute ago with the defensive line with um, a potential three tech. If the, St- let's say Stefan to it comes back. Mm-hmm. If, you have DeMarvin Leal, Stefan Tuitt, and Cameron Hayward, and you're probably figuring that Tuitt and Hayward are the interior linemen, or maybe even if you kick one of them out, um, would you consider moving to a 4-3 system in that scenario? Uh, I would consider packaging that in on a regular basis. I don't know if I'd necessarily swap it all the way over just because of how just because how the linebackers work in the system, uh, right. TJ Watt and and uh Alex Highsmith, uh, which, by the way, Highsmith um, made strides again last year. I think he's going to make a Bud Dupree-type leap this year. Yes. Uh, 
that's going to be huge. And if that happens, I think the Steelers trust that their um, their four linebackers on the field uh, is their best personnel grouping. And so I would I would assume that the Steelers don't make that move uh, to go to four three. But I think you can package it in uh, if you need to substitute out a TJ Watt and get more defensive linemen on the field. Um, that's not a bad a bad thought process to have there. Yeah, I I'm I'm very intrigued to see uh like we had talked about some with the nose tackle, but just what the Steelers do if Stefan Tuitt comes back, because that changes everything. It does along the it defensive does. line. Right, it does. And you know how he comes back too. Um, whether that's right. uh, what capacity he comes back. Now I'd be surprised I'd be surprised to be honest if he does not play in 2022. Um what type of stuff onto it we get uh, is up in the air. Absolutely. But I think he comes back. I really do. I think he is going to be a part of this team in 2022. I couldn't be totally wrong on that, but maybe it's just gut feeling. Uh, But it just feels like Stefan two is not done uh, with this team. And I know he's been through a lot and uh, you know, don't fault him at all for taking time for himself and for his family um, to get healthy and to also, um, uh, work through a very tragic incident in his family. But I think we see Stefan to come back to the field in some capacity this year. Uh, it may not be the dominant Stefan to that we were accustomed to in 2020, but I think you see some semblance of him there. All right. Uh, you, you had something, or we didn't talk about your number four team need uh, yet. I don't think so. So what you got there? I went with Buck linebacker. I'm not going to okay. reiterate what you said, but pretty much the same thing. I'm higher on Devin Bush. Um, I'm not giving up on him yeah. yet. Uh, I just hope that if he does hit free agency and he has a good year, the Steelers are willing to pay him because yes. he is he is the definition of a Steelers inside linebacker when he is at his best. He looks like a Steeler. He plays he like a Steeler. He's a guy the Steelers need to keep around if he gets back to where he needs to be coming off that ACL, and I'm very confident that he's going to be that. Absolutely. I agree with you there. All right. Um, you're number five. Team need what you got? I thought about throwing just a wide receiver in here, just for you know you sure. thought, but I'm <laughs> I, I went I was good. I went with Ed Rusher. Okay. Uh, I, of course, the Steelers just released John Simon, who was a decent depth piece. The Steelers never really used while mm-hmm. he was here. They did bring in Gennard Avery. They have some other pieces that they can use along the edge. They still have, I believe, um, uh, the guy I really liked two years ago. Just, uh, dr- Drafted by the Broncos, I believe, in the seventh round. Um, the name is slipping me right now. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. Um, <laughs> I can't help you either. It's, it's not coming he wasn't, to me. He wasn't, he wasn't Taco Charlton, but was the other guy, 48, Tuska, Derek Tuska. Hey, there That's you go. Is. Yes. I, I really like him. Had some but good snaps this last year. He did. And yeah. I really liked his tape coming out. He had a phenomenal combine workout um, as well. Uh, but the, there's still some concerns about depth. I think Alex Highsmith is going to have a breakout year. Uh, mm-hmm. But if he doesn't, obviously you have to consider that. And also uh, would be nice to add a third rotational pass rusher uh, that maybe is more, you know, that has the athleticism to be a stand-up linebacker, but can also play mm-hmm. some along the defensive line and just mm-hmm. be kind of that versatile piece that Brian Flores can use along with Carl Dunbar. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what the Steelers do there. I think edge rusher is just a position it's supposed to be pretty deep again next year. Yeah. Maybe not quite as deep as this year, but I'm um, looking forward to see what names emerge. Yeah. Uh, edge rusher just missed out on my top five. It was literally going to be my number, my number six uh, team need, but I went with uh strong safety 
Terrell Edmonds is only back on a one-year deal. I think that they're going to probably probably look in a different direction unless Edmonds really um, comes on, on on another level this year. It may not be like the hugest position of importance, but the Steelers do like to have two good safeties on the back end. I think strong safety uh, is going to be something they address uh, in the draft in, in 2023 or in the offseason leading up to it. Uh, I don't know if you see Terrell Edmonds on this team past 2022, though. What do you think? I, I hope you're wrong just because I think Edmonds, yeah. he's, he's a he's a cheap option. This is not a position you want to spend a whole lot on because we see it being devalued, especially strong safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, who knows? This time next year, I may be pumping up the next guy who I'm saying is the next Troy <laughs> Palomalu for all I know. Right. Hey, um, so I'll, I'll hold my piece on it for now. But looking at it now, if Terrell Edmonds is just what he is right now for the Steelers. I'm okay with that. And I'd keep paying him. I'd pay him a little bit more than what he's getting right sure. now. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be more than willing to keep him on for, you know, three, three and a half million per year for what he's doing. He's more than worth it. Yeah. I totally agree with you on, on keeping him if they can, but I just don't know if that's in their plans. We'll see. It's going to be high on their list of priorities uh, addressing that position, whether they bring him back or bring in somebody else down the road. All right. That. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on team needs? Some just maybe rapid fire things that you think they'll also keep in mind? Not really. I'm excited okay. to see what Anthony McFarlane can do. If he can yeah. hold down that number two spot, I've, I've, I've stayed on his bandwagon all this time. Uh, so if he can, if he can just stay healthy, he's a perfect fit for what Canada mm-hmm. wants to do. He's the perfect compliment to Najee Harris. I absolutely love what the guy brings. He's just, he, as a rookie, he, the game was, to the game speed was just different for him. He didn't let the game slow down to him. Uh, right. But man, he's got so much talent. He does. I'm I'm excited to see if he can take a leap here. If he does, that'll take a load of pressure off of off of Najee Harris, which is is absolutely necessary. You can't give the guy 400 carries a year uh, over the course of his rookie contract and expect him to be a viable player uh, past that. So uh, give the guy some help. Uh, that's definitely going to be uh, something that they're they're looking to to acquire if uh, McFarland does not work out. I think you'll see that as well. So, all right. Um, just real quickly before we go, um, the schedule did come out. It seems like it's been forever ago, but it was just a few days ago on Thursday. And uh, the Steelers have some really intriguing matchups. So I picked out three matchup matchups that I'm excited for. Um, Andrew, I think you did the same. So uh, let's just kind of alternate here um, in order of when they will be played. So uh, I'll I'll start with uh, the Browns game in week three on Thursday night football. Um, the first Steelers-Browns game of the season is always a big deal in my house because my wife is a Browns fan, and uh, she won't give that up for some reason. I don't know why she has a much better option. You haven't converted her yet? How did you I... get a job at BTSC? <laughs> right? I don't know, man. It's it's hard to it's hard to place just what I've done wrong in, in that side of things. But, uh, you know, I, I'm working on it, so I haven't given up hope. But uh, we draw a line down the center of the room. We wear our separate jerseys, and we – yell at the TV and at each other a little bit, you know, just mm. to get that hyped up. So Thursday night football primetime matchup too, first matchup of the season, see where these two teams are. Uh, I'm excited for that one. What you got? I've got week six. I've got the going against the bills. Cause I, I'd be remiss yeah. to not mention that after mentioning that as the game I'd like to see the most. Cause I want to see Mitch Trubisky go against the bills, the team who hey. really helped 
reset his career and put his career back on track. I'm a big believer in Trubisky. I just hope he gets the chance because I think he's an excellent fit for what Canada wants to do with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. I think the Steelers have the chance to be a top 10 offense in this league early on. I just want to see, I want him to have a chance. We're not, (laughs) I'm going to be losing my mind if I'm watching week one and realizing that Mitch Trubisky may never play a snap in a Steelers uniform. I'm, I I will just (laughs) lose my mind. It's going to be so interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, man, that's a cool storyline. I didn't, didn't have that on my radar going into this exercise, but uh, exciting to see, Hey, the Steelers jumped all over Buffalo in week one uh, from the defensive side last year. Uh, so let's see if they can replicate that and maybe make life tough for who I think is going to be the MVP of the league this year and Josh Allen. So, um, okay. My second favorite matchup is uh, week seven, Sunday night football primetime matchup against the one team that bugs me to death that everybody's so high on them that they are ranked ahead of the Steelers in every power ranking. They are projected as uh, one of the seven, five, six, or seven wild card teams uh, in most every analyst's um, opinion. They're going to they're going to make a push for that above the Steelers. It's the Miami Dolphins. I mean, what have we seen from Miami that they can take the leap and be a true contender? This to me is a battle of two teams on the edge. And I want to see if, if I'm wrong and the Steelers are not a classier, better football team than the Dolphins. I want to see if I'm right. I want to see if I'm wrong. I'll get a chance to, in prime time, Sunday night football in week seven. That one excites me a lot. Yeah, I'm with the Dolphins game. All I want to see, and I would be willing to pay to see, is <laughs> Kelvin Austin standing next to Tyreek Hill so we can actually see yes. how different they look next to each other. Obviously, we know Tyreek's a little bit thicker, and I think he's a little bit taller, but I, I want to see how big of a difference there actually is between the two, uh, just for my own mental psyche. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, that's an interesting comp and and we'll definitely get a chance to see that. All right. We're running out of time on our, uh, on our recording. So let's just rapid fire these last couple for us, Andrew, what you got? I've got Eagles week eight for my next one. Always got a good Steagles rivalry battle of Pennsylvania. You can't go wrong. No, you can't. And that's always a tough game too. They, they play each other really tough defensively, especially my last game is, uh, is on my list just because I might be able to get to go to this game because I live in North Carolina. The Steelers are traveling to Charlotte. That's only like two and a half hours from my house. So I might get a chance to go see this game. I'm excited at the potential for that. So Steelers versus Panthers in week 15, um, hopefully a win for Pittsburgh and a chance. Maybe I get to go see it. So. Yeah, that, that would be impressive. And then like, I still haven't been to Steelers games. So I, I just, I'm is one of these. Woo, years, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to go. I'm, yes. I'm looking at the 2024 draft. Cause it is in Detroit. Hey, uh, I, I live only an hour away. So, you know, maybe we should uh, try to organize some BTSC draft party in Detroit Man, that'd uh, be for fun. that. You're hosting. Uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I should probably figure go. out whether I'm going first or not. Right. But, right. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> But week 16, I we got to mention at least the Raiders yes. 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Yes. Um, it, not exact date, but it's going to be an 
impressive. Maybe we see another uh, memorable game, uh, hopefully in this towards the same team, uh, yep. at least in the positive. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And at home too, for Pittsburgh, that's going to be a fun one. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers draft fix. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again. I don't know if we're going to be called the draft fix for much longer. We're going to kind of transition into some other topics here on this show, but, uh, Andrew and I will be back with you again for more Steelers content. Don't forget to go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. We will talk to you again next time. For Andrew Wilbar, I am Jeremy Betts. Talk to you later. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.